Welcome to Food Friends. I'm Carrie. And I'm Sonia. We met in Los Angeles over 15 years ago as private chefs and haven't stopped talking about food since. We created Food Friends to share our stories and recipes with each other and you. We're so glad you're here. Over the years, Carrie and I often get asked, how did you two become personal chefs? And it turns out we've never actually asked each other that question, even though we met when we were both working as personal chefs. In this week's episode, we start a conversation all about how we got started, how we got our first jobs, and we find out a lot about each other that we never knew, even after over 15 years of friendship. Over the coming months, we plan to have a few more of these conversations where we talk about our experiences being private chefs and working in people's homes across Los Angeles. And as always, we'll be talking about specific dishes and recipes along the way. Also, if you've been enjoying the podcast, we're really appreciative of all those reviews and five-star reviews. Thank you so much. They really help us share the show with others. Thanks again and stay tuned for more. Hi, Carrie. Hi, Sonia. It's so nice to see you. It's so nice to see you. I'm so ready to talk to you. Yeah, and I think what we're circling around for this episode is kind of going back to the beginning, when we met and what we were doing and how did we kind of come into this world to start with? Is that where we're yeah, at today? I think we, we've we talked about this before and it comes up. You and I both started our professional food lives as private chefs in Los Angeles. And I always get a lot of questions like, what's it like to be a private chef? How do you become a private chef? Right. How do you do it? What did what did you cook? What, were the, what did yes. that look like? And can um, I be honest? Honest, I don't think I even know how you started. Like, I actually don't think I know the story. I actually don't. I don't know if I know how you started either. I can't believe we've actually never talked about it. But I really don't think we have. I know one fact that is true for you as it is for me, which is that neither of us went to culinary school. That is correct. That is correct. Yes. And Can I we also start there yeah. with like so without like getting too much into our early childhood. We don't need to go from like the day we were born, but I'm curious like, okay, so as a young Carrie, what was your relationship to cooking and food? I was always interested in food and I was a curious elementary school kid, junior high kid, high school kid. Like I I feel like my mom cooked. She was a good baker. My grandmother cooked. You know, food I think for me was like a, is it was an entry point into understanding the world and certainly was a communication in my family. There was always food holidays and I played sports where we travel. I played softball. We traveled. So there were like weekends that we would go away and there would be some kind of like everyone would have pizza together. Everyone would have a picnic together. So food was a big part of my growing up and I was interested in it. So like how um, old were you when you first started cooking? I was definitely in elementary school. Like my mom, we would make cookies with my mom and the episode about like Chex Mix and Puppy Chow. I remember making that Puppy Chow when I was, I think I was in elementary school because I made it in the microwave. And then when I got older, I really got Food Network came on yes. our cable. And I don't know if it was that the Food Work Network was new in the world or if it just became available to us. But I, I was like so interested in what was going on there. And I had seen some of the really old, I remember Graham Kerr being on like PBS. Do you remember yes. him? I saw all the PBS stuff, the Julia Child, the Jacques Pepin, 
Maybe yes, King Chuck. Yes. Yes. Sarah yes. Moulton, I think, had something. No, she was on Food Network. She was on Food Network. But yeah. yeah, all the PBS stuff. And then, like you, I remember when we got basic cable. Like, I remember yeah. that as a big event in our life. But yeah, then everything transitioned to Food Network all the time. Like, yeah. Emerald in the early and days the, of Food Network were yeah. very instructional. It was the same kind of format as the PBS. I didn't know Julia Child very well. Like, I don't, she's not someone that I really connect to. I don't own her cookbooks. I don't. Like I didn't, oh. I didn't really watch her. She wasn't one of my like food icons. Like Emeril Lagasse was definitely one of mine. I liked Graham Kerr. I loved Sarah Moulton. Um, I loved Nigella, and I, and I loved just, Nigella. And, and yes. who wasn't regularly aired because it, it was yeah. like a British show. And anytime there was Nigella on any channel, like I ha- was like riveted. I yes. had to get her cookbooks. I loved Tyler Florence too. Yes, I loved and, Ty- especially yes. the early days of Tyler Florence. The early, like, and loved- by the way, my friend Joanne Chinchuli, who was one of the very first culinary producers in television who became like a mentor to me. I ended up working for her, but she was Tyler's person. She helped write all those cookbooks. His cookbook was one of the first cookbooks I ever bought like on my own and it taught me how to cook. And so it was like just so like full circle that Joanne created this thing I loved and taught me how to cook and then later mentored me in the food space. Well, I have this interesting connection to Tyler Florence through this family I worked for for many years, this Jewish family, and they had a Nana and a Papa. They lived down the street, and so they helped with the the children. And Nana would always bring matzo ball soup, and she shared that her flourless chocolate cake recipe with me because her her grandkids oh, loved your it. Oh, famous flourless yes. chocolate. My cake. famous flourless chocolate cake is not at all famous for me because it came from Nana Cake, and she had gotten it from Tyler Florence in New York. She like went to his restaurant, and she just like asked him. She was like, no. "Hey, excuse me, like." I was a home ec teacher. Can I have the recipe? And he gave it to her. <laughs> what a what a mensch. And then, you know, I work for many families, but I cook for another family for Passover. And it's funny, his recipe has been published a couple of times and it changes sometimes. So I have to go back to the one that I wrote in green marker. I still have it. It's like my client and I both know like this is the one that's the better one. I know because you sent me a picture of it yes, because yes. you came to Passover one year and you brought yes. that cake and it was the it's star. Of, it was the star of the show. I remember my friend Bernard, who you know very well, yeah. who oh had, who freely shares his opinions. And Bernard was like, this was the best thing at the meal. It was Carrie's cake. So, it's so sweet. But really, that was from, yes, such a mensch, right? Like he such gave, a mensch. He gave that recipe to her and then it trickled down to me and and then I've brought that to so many places and so yeah I think kind of fast forward to like I cooked in high school I remember in high school I I hosted a like a New Year's Eve murder mystery game dinner party uh-huh. So, we have so many parallels, but keep going. Um, and then in college, I went. My mom gave me a bread maker when I when I graduated from high yes. school. So I took oh my, my bread God. maker to college with me, and I made bread. And I also made gumbo in college for my roommates. So so far, same thing. You and I both grew up on television cooking stand and stir is what they're called. Instructional cooking shows. They're oh, they st- have a name. A yeah. stand a stand and stir. Because now I feel like the food world is very competition. It's competition based. It's like yeah. there are six people who can make this crazy pizza situation, whatever. So a classic cooking show is called a stand and stir or like oh, – So then – So you and I grew up with a similar thing. I was obsessed with also when I was little just – 
obsessed with food. Like if I read a book, I wouldn't remember what happened, but I remember what everyone ate. Like in Little House on mm-hmm. the Prairie, I remember when they make jerky and, and Anne of Green Gables. I remember like the raspberry cordial and Little Women, all those things. Obsessed, obsessed, obsessed with food. And then I also in high school hosted my first dinner party, which somewhere I have <laughs> Wait, a record of. what was the theme? The theme is whatever I felt like cooking that definitely didn't okay. go together. Okay. And then also during high school, I had this like – I used to make summer projects for myself every summer vacation. <laughs> Does this surprise you? <laughs> no. And also like I did the same thing. Right. So my summer projects were always learning how to cook different things. Like mm-hmm. I was just like, I'm going to keep learning how I to cook. I did the same. Yes, I totally did the same. It's funny, what you're sharing reminds me of this other piece that I think is really important that I kind of forgotten about. So my mom was a teacher at my high school. She, you know, obviously before I could like drive, I would go to her room after school and we would ride home with her. I remember one day I was really bored and there was a stack of old magazines and they were like Woman's Day and Good Housekeeping. And I started going through these magazines and then I was like, oh, wow, I want to cook these things. And I remember there was a spread about like summer, ice cream and sorbet desserts. And I think I still have it somewhere because it started me on this project of building these food binders. I was- I have a food binder from then. I have like 10 of them. I even shipped them to California when I moved here, which is wild. And I've moved them to every house that I've lived in, which is also crazy. But that when you said all the books that I read, I didn't always remember what happened, but I remember what people ate. And that is- I think that's been the thing that has been the through line for me is like when I looked through all these magazines and read recipes and then when I watched these cooking shows, I remember when they were like, this is how you chop. Because I, again, did not go to culinary school, but I listened to what they said and then I watched what them and then I just practiced that. And that's how I, of course, when I first started cooking and even when I became a private chef, I was the slowest chopper ever. Like if there's anyone out there who's like, oh, it's too overwhelming to start to cook like I think you just have to start slow yeah you and it's like anything you don't like you don't expect to lift like right. 400 pounds the first time you go to the gym you don't expect to or what was I heard that? someone else talking about that and it's like so with anything you start somewhere and what was yeah. that show was it like Yan Martin Yan Yan can cook Yan right? can cook I, yeah. and he would do the thing where he would like cook, like chop his onions like at the speed of light yes like you can't chop onions like like Martin Yan well not the first time not you the chop first onion. time now you know my friends will say or even James will say, wow, that's so fast. You know, and I'm like, well, I've been doing this for 20 years. Well, that, and that's the other thing is like- It's muscle memory. It's muscle memory. And then something happens where you like, it's like a video game and you level up. I always say it's like, I'm on a new level level of Super Mario Brothers. Like- (laughs) I don't, yes. you know, you think you're like, oh, I'm a pretty good cook. I know a lot about cooking. And then you get better. And you're like, yeah. how did I just get better? The more you do it, the better you get, the faster that you get. And then when you cook with other people, like one of my friends is such a good cook. Like she's been cooking her whole entire life and she doesn't chop an onion at all in like the quote unquote proper way. And, no proper and her way. onions are just as perfect as mine. And That's so- That's what I mean. It doesn't matter if you find your it's way. It's like how, how do you cook rice? How do you cook broth? There are endless ways. Like for every cook there is out there, there is a way to chop. Maybe because we didn't go to culinary school, yeah. we're particularly like of the mind- Opinionated about that. Well, this- we're of the mind of there's no right way because what yes. matters is that you enjoy the process and it tastes yeah. good. And even yeah. if it doesn't taste good, then at least you had fun doing it. So, okay. So the other parallel okay. yes, is- Yes. Tell me. And then I got you, to college. You have binders. Yes. Okay. Well, I have binders too. Yeah, yes. Of course. And then in college, so- 
I went to a small liberal arts school and there like wasn't enough housing. At, so like after freshman year, there's just not housing for everyone in the school. Right. So most of the people at the time would move off campus. So I started living off campus my sophomore year of college with roommates, which meant we had like our own full kitchen because we were in houses. So that's when I really started to cook and like cook a lot. Like it was like the three in the morning making peanut sauce yes. and rice and yes. tofu yes. and that kind of thing. And so then I was like, oh, I really like this cooking thing. It makes people happy. Like it's really fun to do for your well, friends. You also grew up cooking with your family. And there was you totally. had a lot of people in your life that modeled the, that idea to you. I think that's one of the components that I've seen to be kind of true for people. But also there are people who grew up with no cooking in their, their life at all. And then they just – like they took the opposite approach. They're like, I'm just going to cook. You well, know? Ruth Rachel is a good example because she yes. notoriously had this whole mom who like made just only terrible food. Yes. And then she's right. one of the she's one of the great food critics and food writers in history. If you I read her yeah. memoir, which I really love. It's that. an incredible. She has actually, yes. I think, two memoirs. Yes. Now, the first end. one I loved the most. I love everything she does. To digress. Okay. So we both have this like similar sort of relationship to food and self-teaching and all that. Yeah. And cooking and College. So did I cooked you, all four years of college. Me I too. always I always had a kitchen. I also have to say that for my high school graduation present, you know how people got like whatever they got, computers and whatever. I got a full set of stainless steel cookware oh that God. I use to this day. To that this was day. like that's like T fall. Like yeah. we could talk about all that. That's why I'm like, but we were gonna get to the meat of it, which is right. like how did okay, it happen? So like for where me, did this step happen? Yeah, I wanna right. know. So for me, I never thought food was gonna be part of my professional life. It did not occur to me. I mean, you know, in our home it was always like be a doctor, be a lawyer, get a PhD, right. whatever the thing is. And I didn't do any of that. But it's still like Food was never – like we all cooked, but it was never like this is something you do with your life. And then, you know, I started out working in the entertainment industry and in television, but I just kept being drawn to food over and over again. And eventually, I basically quit my job in as an assistant after having worked on like shows and all that. And I was just giving myself time to like regroup and figure out what I wanted to do. And I realized how much I loved food. And that's when I met Joanne Chinchuli, who I mentioned earlier. And she was like, you know a lot about food and clearly you have a background in TV. Do you want to come help me out on a, a cooking show shoot? Because she was producing cooking shows. Or maybe I even asked if I could shadow her. I don't remember. <laughs> Whatever it is, she what allowed me. She allowed me to. Yeah. I went and I you know, was just like, I'm going to work for free. I'm going to be the first one to arrive. I'm going to be the last to leave. I'm going to learn everything I can. And she and I really connected. And then on that shoot, another there's a food stylist who's like, hey, I have a friend who's leaving her job as a personal chef. Are you interested in that <laughs> job? And I was like, who am I to take it? And she was like, Sonia, I really think you should take this meeting. They're like a really great family. Like just take the interview, see what happens. And Lord knows I did. But I'm just curious before we get into all that, did you think that what was my point? Like, did you think yeah. you were going to end up working in food in some no. way? No, not at all. I, you know, I always thought of food as a place that was like nights and weekends and that wasn't, you know, I was kind of raised with like you have a real job and you go to it and it's not that that didn't seem like a real job. I I just didn't see a path for myself and I also thought like, yeah, I think someday I want to have a family and I just was like, I don't know how that works. I just didn't know anyone close enough who worked in the business to understand like what does that look like? You know, my mom was a teacher. My dad worked in insurance and I grew up in a small town. So, yeah. you know, cut to I 
I moved to Los Angeles. I disliked my corporate job. I quit and I was working as a waitress and trying to kind of figure out what I was going to do. When I was working as a waitress, there were other waitresses, you know, that worked with me and this friend of mine who I'm still, is still one of my best friends in the world. She said to me one night, she goes, you know, this woman I nanny for is looking for someone to cook for her. Chewing gum. She goes, you're a good cook. You should go talk to her. And I was like, I am a good cook. I will. And so I went to meet this woman on a Sunday morning. I had a cup of coffee with her and she said, well, Sophie says you're a good cook. And I said, well, I am. And she said, well, we need someone three days a week. And I was like, okay. And that was it. That was just, it was it's like just that so, simple. I feel like it's also one of those professions that sometimes finds you like <sighs> – It's like certainly there are people who are like, I want to be a personal chef and they find a path towards it. But I also have known so many people like you and I who just are like, we're good cooks and then right place, right time. There's something else that you brought up that really struck me and made me think about something early in my career. So I also always worked in restaurants on summer breaks from college and all that. Like I definitely was always drawn. Like I would would have rather worked in a restaurant than like a retail yeah. shop. I mean, I worked I, at, yeah, I worked as a waiter. Yeah. I loved, I loved being a waitress. Me, it was my, like yes. my favorite job. Like it was so fun. You got to talk to people. My very first job was at uh, Ben and Jerry's as a scoop shop. No. Uh, yes, it was. Did they let you take ice cream home? You got like one scoop per shift. And so you could collect your scoops and take a pint home. Oh, or wow. maybe it was one scoop per week. I don't know what it was, but. Oh, wonderful. It was one. Wonderful. But by the way, that's like the best job I've ever had in my life because no one is not happy when they get ice cream. Yes, so even if that's they come such a great in, way to think about yes. it. Yes. Yeah, that's so funny. I worked at TGI Fridays for one summer and I, I think I survived on their garlic breadsticks because there was like a drawer <laughs> in the kitchen and you were, you know, like when you would get the salad to give to someone, you would like open up the drawer and get the breadstick. You know, I was there and it was there and I, I like think I ate garlic breadsticks for three months straight. Any food job I had, I had a similar experience. But so after graduating college, I got this job at a very fancy restaurant. Um, I was a busser. It was called Wildwood. It no longer exists, but it was like a James Beard Award winning oh, wow. farm to table wow, restaurant you're before. So fancy. No, but I'm I was like a busser. TGI, I'm like TGI Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> it was proximity to seeing how a place like that functions. It and, and if you're my a life. busser, if you're a busser, you are like quietly have access to everything and just can watch what's going on. Oh my on, goodness. Right? You couldn't say it better. I mean, I love that job. It mm-hmm. was before farm to table was like a big, huge catch-all word or trendy. So the chef and um, owner at the time, Corey Schreiber, who had won a James Beard Award, he was really like, and he was from the Northwest, he was really hugely influential chef in this re- region mm-hmm. and still is. And so anyway, I love that job. I was so committed to being a buster. You have no idea how seriously oh, I, I know who you are. You've been like that your whole life. So of course, you were like the most, you know, lovely person, like taking care of people. It changed yeah. my life and how I thought about food. I didn't know anyone before who like slaughtered whole animals and had relationship with farmers. But there's this one moment, and this is what relates to what you're saying. So I worked there for like a year and then I got a job in Hollywood really kind of unexpectedly. And so I put in my notice at the restaurant and Corey Schreiber, the head chef, he says to me, oh, I heard you got a job and you're moving on. And I said something like, yeah, it was finally time for me to get a real job. And he so like sternly, politely, respectfully said, this is a real job. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's all he said. Yeah. 
And it was one of the most humbling experiences of my life and something I carry with me every day. Because besides the fact that it was true, I think he really was like, it was teaching me, you know, yeah. it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't scolding me. Yeah. Because I had been taught like being a busser isn't a real job, right? Any person who has worked in a restaurant knows every part of that machine has to work right. Yes. And like it all comes down to the busing and the dish the dishwashing station. Yes. And if that doesn't work, literally nothing, nothing works. works. I feel like we could digress into this space, but it's like when you see a restaurant that actually shares tips among all the roles in the restaurant, those are places that I that I like always try to support because that idea to me is so true. Like, yes, there's an artistic vision. And yes, of course, if you're a chef who's also put in money to put up a restaurant, that all makes sense. But like it literally takes every person there. And that's how we did it at the deli. We had yeah. cool yes. tips. But all right, so – Again, because there's so much to these stories. Yes. So I will. Yeah. I will so you share, got this I job. Have a, I ha, well, I have a similar. I have a similar. It's actually happened a little bit before I I went to go work for this family. Is I had gotten hired for a restaurant. Um, it was a Wolfgang Puck restaurant in Santa Monica called Chinois, and a friend of mine did parties for them. And Wait, hold on. Talk about fancy. You go I from know, TG. I know. Well, right? that's what you're I'm saying. Going. I'm saying like I have a fancy. Yeah. I got invited into this sort of fancy space too. So I worked as a sales rep. One of the other sales reps that worked with me, his friend worked for Chinois and that that friend of his whose name was Caleb was the staffer. Like when these parties would come up like one or two or three weekends a month, he would say like, oh, on Saturday night, do you want to come do a party with me? And so a couple of us, you know, none of us made any money. So we would go to these parties and it was seriously so fun. You know, we'd get paid like $200 and we would- That's and a we lot. Would, and yeah, you would kind of, you would, you would feel like you were out. You know, mm -hmm. you would be at this beautiful place and a cocktail party and beautiful people. And also coming from where I came from, like I had never seen, they were all private parties in people's homes. These were like parties in the hills of Los Angeles, you know, parties in yes. the hills of West Hollywood. And the food was so good. Yeah. And, you know, at one point, because I met James my first month, you know this, my first month in Los Angeles. So he and I have been together for almost 20 years, the whole time I've lived here. Amazing. And he would sometimes come he came to those parties too. He didn't make that much money either. And I remember him saying one day, we were in this beautiful house in the Pacific Palisades, view of the ocean, like this giant, beautiful patio. And at one point we were waiting for our appetizer trays to be filled. And he said, you know, there's something about this food thing that he goes, I see you light up. Like when more than oh. like, I see where how it like makes you light up when you yeah. talk to people about food. Because at that point I had been I've been working with this restaurant for maybe a few months and I kind of had decided like here are the good appetizers and here are the ones that like here are the ones that you must taste this. It's oh, like, I know that this I know the is the one. <laughs> I know that action. I would be like this is and they would You're make like a this pusher but in I'm a, good a pusher. Way. Yeah, I'm like in a I'm good like, way. I'm like this is the one. It is worth you taking a quick second to like take a napkin, take this Szechuan beef. Like it was so delicious. It's like yeah, we have these formative experience like it's a building yes. 
thing, right? Like, yes. so this is the pattern. You and we I are like, both interested. We like food. We, we are like kind food. Of, we pay attention. We, we're learning. We, yeah. We're dabbling. We're exploring. And yes. like you, every time I was in kind of transition, I would go to restaurants. So like yes. when I left Hollywood proper, I went to go work. Before I started personal chefing, I was working at the little door. I was working oh, at a wow. restaurant in right LA, yeah. right down the street from you. And so anyway, like you is like always those places where I'd be like, this is where I'm regrouping in the house of food. Yeah. And then, so you, so what I'm curious about, because I will also share with you. So from that, we both had friends who said, hey, you should interview yeah. for this job. Yeah. And we both said, okay, fine. I have my own story of like that interview. What ha- it would be fun to hear how you started. Like what happened from that friend telling you that? What then, ha- what were the next steps? You know, so she put me in touch with this woman and this woman said to me, we need someone three days a week. And so then I started and that that was what started the whole thing. At the time, I worked as a cocktail waitress. I worked at Chinois and I worked for this family. So it was a did lot of- Did you have to cook for them first? Like, did you come in and interview no. and they're like, here's some cookies or no. they're just like, okay, sure, you're hired. She took my word for it. And she took Sophie's word for it, which is amazing. And I also think like the word kismet is really important yeah. in this place because I still, I'm still in touch with this family and I'm still in touch with the second family that they interest, introduced me to. We were really meant for each other. We were such a great pair. And this first client of mine, she, she was a single mom and she was such a generous person to me. And she had two little girls. And when I first started with them, we kind of would just eat. Like I would eat with them. That's how they treated me. And I think that had a lot to do with I was friends with one of their nannies. There was this vibe in their house where it was like there were all of us young girls that were kind of helping her take care of her kids. We were all treated so well. And then when the summer rolled around, they would have these dinner parties where they would just invite like one other family or two other families over. And they treated me like I was their family. So I would cook dinner and then we would all sit down and eat it together. So I got to know all these other people that were equally wonderful. It's like Well, that's really I walked into a family. I walked into really a Los Angeles special. family. Several that's, Los Angeles families. That's quite a way to enter. I had a sort of different experience, although still wonderful, but different. I had to interview for my job. And so these right. were like big people. Like they was like the head of a studio and this major, major lawyer. Wow. And at the time I didn't know that the, the lawyer, the wife represented every major chef in the world. And if I had known that, I would not have applied for the job <laughs> out of intimidation. Well, she you clearly knew she was a person who understood good food, right? But and I she, didn't know. I didn't know when I No, but I'm just oh, saying like now you know. Oh, like, now yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I remember telling – I was telling my friend Emmeline that I'm going to interview for this job. And she was like, well, are you going to bring any menus? And I was like, oh my God, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you You're for genius. saving me from myself. Yes. Yeah. I didn't know how you apply to be a personal no. chef. No, because there, what is I was no, doing. there is kind of no like – I for, for my story and your story and all the other private chefs that I know, everybody has a completely different story totally. of how they there's came no, to it. There's, there's no, no right way. No. So anyway, I went home. I wrote these menus. I wrote like a weeknight meal. I wrote like a Rosh Hashanah meal because it was about to be Rosh Hashanah and I knew they were Jewish. I wrote like a couple different meals and I still have those menus somewhere. And I so printed them out. I wrote nice fonts. I made them look nice, <laughs> as nice as Amazing. I could. And I came to You're the You're such interview. a good student. Oh, so, then I, so then I show up at their house and we sit down and I present my menus and we talk through things and they're very lovely people and they're like, great, can you come Monday and we'll try it out? It was like a very much a trial, like let's okay. see how you cook. And I 
came that Monday and I cooked them dinner. And and then what happened? And I got hired that night. Amazing. They were. It was like. And you did you know you were like I'm hitting a home run. I did you feel good oh, while I you were cooking? So insecure so in those er- in those days too. I just was <clears> so you know it's like you want to tell your younger self like just relax, like just don't worry because yeah. like, we we put so much pressure on ourselves, especially in our twenties. I felt so much. You know, I want to just do. I want to be an A student, which yeah, now like thankfully I'm a recovering A student. But I know what I made. I made this herb salmon, this like beautiful piece of sand, so wild salmon. Funny. I think I made a quinoa dish with wild mushrooms and like a big salad. And I think I made something for dessert. I can't remember exactly the dessert. I have it written down somewhere though because I also started keeping food journals when I was personal oh, chefing. Yeah, I did too. So for me, it was four days a week and I would always make dinner and then I would also make like lunches for ahead of time and granola and that kind of stuff and do all their pantry shopping. And I would also arrange flowers in the week. Those were kind of my responsibilities. But this family, I was very much like I come in and do the cooking and I leave once the food I was is gonna ready. Ask, right. Yes. Okay. I was out so the did door. They, so they did their own dishes. They, or well, like I had you to would do, do the pots, but they would like load the dishwasher. Yes, exactly. Okay. And all that. I would set the table. I would plate everything family style. And then I would walk out the door, right? Oh my before God. They By the down. way, I as you're saying like, and I set their table and I arranged their flowers. I'm like, I want that. Like I want you. I want that at my house right now. Like I want to come home to you in my kitchen cooking dinner and setting my table. <laughs> and arranging flowers and then I want you to stay for dinner. And then can yes. we trade off and you do the same for anyway? Yes. So they what they were, what was amazing about this family, well, for one, they prioritized meals as a family. So at that time they had a teenage son, but they also had two older kids who would come over a lot. And because they were such busy kind of important people, they took all their meetings at their house. So they had like dinner parties at least once a week, but sometimes twice yeah. a week. And they were also incredibly adventurous eaters. So they had some like restrictions and it would change, you know, but in, in the usual stuff, like. But they were open. They like really wanted to experience open. whatever. Yeah. So it was which such, is such a gift, which is a gift as a, a chef, gift. especially when you're learning how to cook. It's like exactly. having this openness and this interest in what you're doing. But I will say the opposite can sometimes be true for me, which is because I'm generally open and will eat anything. And I like theme. I like when a client is like, we'll eat everything but asparagus. And I'm like, okay, great. Like I can work it's around that. It's almost too – did have some restrictions. Yeah. But they were open. And so for me, it was real – It forces cul- you to be more creative. It was like you know? culinary school. Yes. And so like every yes. – you know, I would – Go to the library. I would get huge stacks of cookbooks. Oh my god! Really? Oh Who yeah. Did, oh, every weekend You're the I would cutest sit. person ever. The, the thought of you like going to the library and renting cookbooks or you know checking out cookbooks yeah. is amazing. Wait, what cookbooks were you checking out? Anything I get my Anything. hands on. I mean, I look. Because this I, is bef- this is kind of before like you could really access everything on the internet. Or there what? were very thankfully Smitten Kitchen was around then. Like that helped me bake. So a lot of my early like desserts came from her website. But there weren't like a ton of food blogs. I had a subscription to Bon Appetit, and then there would be like the, the what about gourmet? Those the, gourmet was still going on during those days, wasn't yes, it? Yes, I think I I just it, didn't have it. A sort of ended in that era, which was yeah. like oh my god, such a heartbreak for me. I such keep all I kept all my old gourmet magazines. What a treasure. I have them. And I don't know how it was for you, but for me, I would – so then every Sunday, I would sit with all my cookbooks and I would dream up the menu for the week and then I would always email them on Sunday. I would say, here's what I'm planning for the week. And they were so great that they would almost always just say, great. Or sometimes they'd be like, oh, can you make that soup we love? 
or right. like or like we're craving broccoli so can instead of exactly. asparagus do broccoli or something yeah in the early days of my of working with clients there was more collaboration it definitely wasn't like critical it was just like hey we had such and such thing this weekend we had a bunch of steak this weekend so can we please do fish or there was some guidance at the end of when I was working as a private chef it was like I just showed up and I cooked whatever and people just ate it and you didn't even send them like a menu in advance. no I never at, especially at the end at the end, people knew me. They knew the deal and they were just delighted to have whatever. I guess there was one family I worked for for four, four days a week, but only two of those days were live dinners. And the other two mm-hmm. days were more about like going to the farmer's market, stocking the fridge. They had, had just had their third baby. So their house was just like this really busy place. And then like once they were kind of through that critical point, then they didn't need me as much. The thing that I loved was I worked for different families every day. So I was in a different part of the city every day. I was at a different farmer's market every day. And that was really fun for me. It was hard. It was really hard work because I would have to sit down and be like, okay, what, what are the things that this family eats? What are things that that family eats? What grocery stores am I going to? Oh yeah. That's when you get really close friends with the Vicente food. Oh my God. Like my favorite people, by the way, when I got married, three people at Vicente Foods gave me like wedding cards. One is so Like the guy in the produce department gave me like a wedding gift because he was like, I would shop for one client. And then cook for them. I would go back and chat for another client. And then there were times when I was I was catering for an office. And so at the end of the night, like right before they were closing, I would run through and get a couple more things that I was going to cook the next day. I mean, I know every inch of every yes. Whole Foods yes. of every. I mean, obviously the farmers markets, Santa Monica Seafood, yes. the Sunday Foods, like the, the entire foods, west yeah. side of Los Angeles. And I lived on the east side at the time, which actually wasn't as horrendous of a commute as it is now, but (laughs) you've developed those relationships because like you said, I wasn't working for that many families to start. I was working for one family primarily that first year. Then I added on some clients and then I would do like parties here and there. But I mostly had like one home family. But I was still at the store every day because there's always something you need to make something. Do you have like from that very first job with that single mom do you have a most memorable thing you cooked for them and or like their favorite food of yours? Yeah, that's such a good question. So her daughter recently got engaged and my friend Sophie threw an engagement party for her. And there was a chef who cooked for all of us, but Sophie let me bring the dessert. And there was this, we called it blueberry pudding cake. Um, Oh, I know this cake. It was a recipe from Gourmet. And there was one summer where we, we made that like once a week. And sometimes the girl girls would make it with me. And it's funny, my friend Sophie, who owns a dance studio here in town, she and her friend Sarah, they reminded me that they would make that blueberry pudding cake when they were kind of introducing, they would go to like block parties to say like, oh, hey, we're starting this dance studio for kids. And they would make that blueberry pudding cake as well. It's one of those recipes that I still have that's like has so many stains on it, you know, because I made it so many times. You introduced me to that cake and I, it's one of my favorite desserts. We will definitely link it because yeah. and put it in the show notes because it is such a stellar recipe and it's so simple. You know, the truth is like you and I could both follow the recipe, make it side by side, and I know they will taste different. So even though everyone makes this cake, there's magic in Carrie's version. Well, it's funny because I hadn't made it for so many years. I knew that I was going to this dinner party and I wanted to kind of reacquaint myself with it. And my niece happened to be 
at my house. So she made it. And so I sort of watched as she was going through. We kind of made it together, but she really did it all herself. And she made it totally different than the way that I make it. It's an expression of every person. Like, cause that's the thing you can't really control is that like little, the hands, right? What's okay, the, so- what's one of your, like, what was one of your signature dishes or what was like the thing that they loved the most that you made? They loved your soups. I know that. They love my soups. They really, okay. I can think Which of Which soups? Th- Tell me two. It's funny what's because the, the soup they love the most is also the soup that got me fired from another job. So we'll circle back <gasps> to that. Gosh, that's another, another episode. That's another sure. episode. But I was riffing on a Mark Bittman vegetable soup recipe, which we'll also link, but I would make my own touches and they just loved it. And they would ask, there was actually- want like a heavy veggie soup? Like, yes, there was that heavy veggie soup. And then there was also a mushroom soup that I made that was a riff on a Dory Greenspan recipe. And wait, they, what kind of mushroom, like what kind of, what is it? Was it like a cream of mushroom soup? No, there was no cream in the soup at all. So you basically take a bunch of very regular mushrooms, like button mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And you, I think I added shiitake as well and you like saute them down and then you like take some of them out like keep them some of them whole on the side and then you make a soup with those like cooked mushrooms with onions and garlic and white wine I don't even know if you add vegetable broth herbs definitely thyme definitely bay leaf and then you puree that once it's cooked and simmered okay and then you add the whole mushrooms back and so like the creaminess just comes from the vegetables it might have had like celery too I honestly don't remember the exact recipe but they loved that and they loved it so much. They asked me to make it for New Year's Day. Oh my God. And I want that soup right now. I know. I have to make that soup again. And in fact, so I they want asked that me- soup. They asked me to make it New Year's Day because they loved it so much. And I ended up slicing my finger and going to the oh. hospital on New Year's Eve, making them that soup. The soup was fine. I was fine, but it was just like a dramatic, you know, way to end the year. No, I'll, I'll tell I'll tell you one thing that came up when you said you sliced your finger, which is yes. when you were asking me like what was the signature dish or whatever, the first family I worked for, I remember I I was like cooking for them and then I had to go waitress that night. And they were like away or they were doing something. So I was alone in the house and I was chopping garlic and I, my knife slipped and it cut the oh. middle of my fingernail out. That's what happened to me. That's exactly the same injury. Yeah. It was the it, middle of my fingernail. Really? I swear. I had to stop cooking. I had yeah. to try to try to get it. And then I went to my job as a waitress and Aww. I was like, I can't do this. I Aww. like literally can't do this. So I had to go home that night. So Stop. funny that it was the same injury. What same parallel? That's a wild. That is so weird. It's right? very weird that we had the same exact. Yeah. And then I'll just say the, there's two because they're quick. I made this turkey chili that they just love. Oh my God, we've talked about turkey chili before. And you weren't even pro-turkey chili until we started talking about it. Now you're on board. I'm on board. Um, I'm making turkey chili this weekend, actually. I love it. You can believe that. I was like, I wonder, I I meant to ask you, I need to get your recipe. Can you, do you have a You know what? I should write it up just for for you and for everyone. I will write up my turkey chili recipe. Can you do it today? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I can. Or okay. I can take a picture of it and send it yeah, to you. Yeah, take a and picture you- of whatever boogered up recipe you have and I'll I'll riff it. And then the last thing that they really like would ask for is, um, this is really the best thing I ever made them. You know how Nobu used to have that miso marinated cod? Stop and it. Would- it. <laughs> yes. The second <laughs> family I worked for, they that that was one of their favorites. Stop. Yes, you made it me, too? They gave me the Nobu cookbook. Oh and my because God. they didn't really cook, they just gave it to me. I still have Nobu's cookbook. So for everyone listening, Nobu is like a very Japanese amazing, chain. It's amazing. amazing but restaurant it's very- but Nobu started here. 
Nobu started here in, in Los Angeles. No, he started on La Cienega. Wow. And I used to go Matsuhisa. Yes. I used to go in Hawaii when I lived there. When I worked there, I used to go to the Nobu there. I got treated to it. It was so always so fun. But I remember that black cod. So when I was personal chefing, I was like, I got to make that. And you can find the recipe online and we'll We'll link that too. Yeah, that black cod is amazing because it actually is a fish dish that yes. sits in your fridge for a couple of days. Like because well, you're mar- marinating, you marinate yeah. it, and then that flavor is so good. Oh my god! And it's pretty simple to make. Like it it's really not, is. It's really easy, but it has such a wow factor, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, how did you make this?" It's so and fancy. Like, it has a depth of flavor that the sum does not add. Like doesn't make sense for me in terms of the parts. Like the parts are very simple. I read that cookbook because that was when I was really learning how to cook. And I remember he tells this story of how, I don't know, he was like working with some fancy chef, like I want to say like a French chef. And it was kind of like, oh, your food is so simple. And he kind of, you know, sort of like what this this chef said to you, it's like, it actually isn't simple. And here's how, why- Dashi is this really important right. thing and how you make these building blocks and how you spend all your time preparing because when you go to a sushi bar, it, they just make it look so simple, but there's so not. much thought and effort and time that has gone into the preparation and selection of those ingredients. That's so true. Wow, Carrie. I honestly didn't know we had this many things. It's crazy. And but also, it does not, like, not surprise no, it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I mean, how strange though that like our first like real food injury was both like the same. That's it's wild. so wild. I love learning these things about you. And then it always, you know, and what's fun about this is I bet both of us like cook some really fun things in those years. And it's kind of making me want to go back and really look at what was I making. So, well, I think it, we've kind of only scratched the surface yes. of this because we haven't really talked about like what did our schedules look like. And I know that's a question I get asked a lot. And I think we're we're onto something here. We're gonna need it's a really part fun. Two. I'm just I love I want to know everything about you. I feel like I know so much about you, but I just learn so much more. It's beautiful. So fun to learn that you can always learn more about someone you love. Totally. But yeah, I'm needing a part two. I want to circle back to this, put a pin in it, but let's definitely come back some more juicy stories from our personal chef days. (laughs) (laughs) It's a deal. I hope you have a beautiful weekend and please send me that turkey chili recipe. I promise. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thanks for being our food friend. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, leave us a review, and share this episode with friends. We love hearing from you, so follow us on Instagram or drop us a line at foodfriendspodcast.com. Yes, we'd love to hear from you and your food friends. Happy cooking and eating. Happy cooking and eating.